Alright everybody, welcome to the 108th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling. I uh yo, this weather in Southern Oregon has been absolutely crazy. It snowed every day this this week, and Southern Oregon doesn't get snow except like once a year. So, you know, the weather's nuts. I uh was che- I was on my phone walking to my car and I slipped hurt my knee so I'm, I'm podcasting in pain i'm i'm broadcasting in pain but i'm here for you uh rain sleet or snow the sage delivers and we have a fantastic guest the man the myth the legend evan m what is up my oh, brother shit, the le- legend i like the le- i want to take that nickname from myers and i want that to be mine now legend <laughs> i'm doing well doing well thanks for having me on guys of course and uh we met IRL just a few days ago, Evan. Yeah, you were kind enough to invite me to uh, that beautiful Minnesota win. And you were kind enough to deliver uh, two beers. So uh, do you want to know how soft I am? Um, they're pretty big pours, and they were micro-brews. Your boy was tipsy as fuck walking over the Broadway Bridge with you after that victory. I came home, and I was like, God damn. Like if if you feel feel it just a little bit, we're getting older, bro. Like I, I'm I'm starting to feel it with like my nagging injuries. You can't handle your booze anymore. We're getting older, bro. But, but we still have the wily veteran. Moves, I am man. a cheap so ass date. <laughs> Two beers. Yeah. I mean, yo, that, that that's fantastic. Two beers. But. It was like a hundred dollars. So, well, this this dude goes up and a- asks for a a tequila shot. They gave you. Maybe an ounce, and they charge you like twelve bucks for it. Oh, it was yeah. That was I should have known better on that. But um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to get the night started real right, so a beer and a shot of tequila is normally what will do it for me. But yeah, cost a lot of fucking money. I'm glad I can pay for Paul Allen and all his fun stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's not the only thing they've got. They've got jacked up at the arena. I've noticed the apparel prices have kind of gone, you know, through the roof. It's not even on the Nike stuff. It's just regular um, brands, maybe Brand 47. Uh, the Mitchell Ness has always been, like, a specialty. But it feels like everything is that specialty price. Um, but I guess when the team wins, the people will pay. Mm-hmm. Gotta support the winning team, and right? the team is winning. The Blazers are winners of six straight, eight of their last ten. The six straight dubs is the longest active streak of the season for our Trailblazers. We are sitting at 37 and 26 in third, but definitely no room to rest on our laurels. As if you look down the Western Conference standings, it is so tight. It is tighter than Chris Farley wearing David Spade's blazer in Tommy Boy. Fat guy in a little coat. You all know what I'm talking about. Blazers 26 losses. The Nuggets... And Clippers, both 8-9 and nine in the West, 28 losses. Two and a half games separate third from out of the fucking playoffs completely. So I kind of like it that way. Portland is getting no help on a nightly basis. If you're scoreboard watching out there, it means the focus has to be there. And I think this team doesn't have enough talent to lose sight of, of, the, of the prize. And when they're mm-hmm. focused and locked in, as we saw this week, um, going 3-0 at home, taking care of business against the Kings, uh, 116-99. Uh, a comfort behind victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves on national TV, 108-99. And then the showdown with the Oklahoma City Thunder, 108-100, going up 3-0 in the season series against OKC. And guys, the Blazers are red hot and rolling. What has stood out to you over this, you know, this this three and week, and really since the All Star break, you know, what has been, what are the reasons the Blazers have finally figured it out? Yeah, so I mean, so, so what I've noticed, it, it's interesting because now we've reached a point, basically, where the Blazers have had a full year of Yusuf Nurkic. Um, I, when he first came here last year, post or uh, right at the All Star, right before the All Star deadline, 
Um, he showed a lot of promise. We got all really excited about it, him coming over. And to start the year, I think that they were still trying to work some stuff out. But now it feels like one full year in that they all kind of know and are playing better together. Um, it's really interesting, especially with Yusuf in particular, where I remember at the beginning of the season, there was that Nets game where Terry sat Nurk in the fourth quarter in a close game and people were really critical of Terry for that. But now I think that we've seen more of Nurk on this team. We all realize that like Terry maybe knew what he was doing or, or thinking mm. uh, when he did that. Cause there are certain situations and certain matchups where Ed Davis sometimes seems like a better option in the fourth quarter. So basically I just think it's that they're all starting to figure out how they play together one year on this team. And then I'm sure we'll get into it later, but Zach Collins playing better and getting a more expanded role obviously is helping too. Yeah, I think having we're only covering the three games, right? Because Shabazz was back; he contributed in every game, and to have your third guard play pretty damn well. And if, but of course, it's all about Damian Lillard being Damian Lillard. I mean, he's the heart of our team. He's the engine. He's the straw that stirs the drink. I believe I quoted a D- Dustin Haas tweet right there. And <laughs> yeah, but it's all about Dame. I'm happy CJ contributed that last game, but there, there's it's all about Dame, and I'm happy that other players are contributing in their own ways. A few things that have stood out to me, obviously, Sage, you hit the nail on the head. Damian Lillard playing like the best point guard in the league. However, we still haven't seen him and CJ really gel in the same game, probably since that, that Warriors game on Valentine's Day. Uh, Dame did his thing against against the Kings and was obviously huge. Uh, against the Timberwolves, uh, we saw Dame time in full effect, 35 points, um, got to the line an incredible 16 times, 7 boards, 4 assists. But then you go to Oklahoma City, and Dame is just 5 of 18, still finds time to get to the line 9 times, which helps him get the 20 points, dishes out 7 assists. But then CJ stepped it up. CJ was the go-to guy, uh, 28 points, 10 of 20 from the field. Um, I think his all-around, probably his best game of the season. I look, I kept looking up at the scoreboard and had to do a double take, even with new glasses, because he had eight fucking rebounds and six assists, a steal, and two blocks. I mean, this is not pure shooter C.J. McCollum. This is all-around shooting guard C.J. McCollum, and I think if Portland starts to get that type of reduction out of him, that all-star level of play, we're going to be able to win on nights when Dame isn't able to find it from the field, and Dame clearly had an off night. But that's kind of the beauty of this backcourt is if they can ever get it together, we're going to be a tough out. But overall, I think it's the role players, especially the bench. And when you go down the list, you've got Shabazz, you've got Ed, and you've got Zach Collins. I've been so impressed by those three players, um, especially Shabazz Napier. You mentioned it. He was pretty rough you know, coming out of the All-Star break, but it was these three games, and it really started with that Sacramento game when he had 20 points um, on 6 of 7 shooting to really kickstart that game. Sacramento kept hanging around and hanging around until, you know, Shabazz went in there, and I believe Terry ended with that three-guard lineup uh, to finish that game. You go to Minnesota. Evan, I was talking to you uh, during the game. I was like, I think this might be a Shabazz night. What does he do? He was a team high, plus 21, 16 points, uh, two seals. He was just all over the court. And again, he bailed us out against OKC, uh, coming up big with, with seven points. And he didn't force the, 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 excuse me, didn't force the offense. He was just two of four, but he, I felt like his buckets were huge. Um, we're going to get into Zach Collins in a little bit. I know that's been kind of the talk of the town after that, that, uh, OKC performance, but Ed Davis. I can't say enough about this guy because right now I feel more comfortable with him on the floor than Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, we're talking nine points, 12 boards against the Kings. Uh, we're looking at 10 points, 11 boards against the Timberwolves. And then he really finishes that entire second half against the Oklahoma City Thunder playing 21 minutes, uh, six points, 10 boards. And he just does his job. Evan, we kept talking during that Minnesota game about how Ed Davis, when he's in there, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, too. When you look at like the evolution of since he started with the Blazers, he came in and he originally, I mean, he's, he's listed as a power forward. We thought he was going to play a power forward. And because of 
we don't really have like a legitimate backup center on this roster. He kind of got forced into that role and he's playing really well in that role. He put on muscle in the offseason, obviously. And um, and yeah, I mean, we, we've seen that Terry's like I mentioned just a little bit ago, Terry's not afraid to play him in the fourth quarter over Nurk, which is interesting. And it, and it works from time to time. I mean, he's he's always dialed in. With Nurk, the frustrating thing has always been the consistency that you're getting from him. You're not getting consistency game in, game out. But Ed Davis is a dude that you do get the same thing every game. Um, so, yeah, it's been really interesting to see how he's kind of had more of an increased role more recently. And it's it looks like it's obviously helping. Do the Should the Blazers be concerned that Yusuf Nurkic has not had any sort of significant impact over these over these three games? Sacramento, Minnesota, and Oklahoma City is that I could see it two ways. You know, the glass half full is Portland's winning despite not getting a lot of production out of use of Nurkic, but the glass half empty is how much longer can Portland sustain this type of play without getting significant production from what Mm -hmm. was thought to be the third part of their big three coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's it's we're in a really interesting situation because prior to the year starting, I assumed that this offseason Nurkic was going to get paid a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. Now we've learned that a lot of teams obviously don't have a ton of money to pay. And because of his inconsistent play, he might not be get offered that much money. So that might be a good thing for the Blazers that we might be able to bring him back on something a lot less than we thought. Um, so that's kind of, that's how I look at it as half full is that oh, we might not have to make a huge commitment to this guy. And then the other thing I'm sure his agent's going to spin is he hasn't been playing basketball that long. We see the flashes. Um, So when you look at him as opposed to like other centers, some of the other centers that are going to be free agents, you kind of know what some of those guys are. Like Brooke Lopez is going to be a free agent. We all kind of know who he is already. But someone like Nurkic, we don't really know what he could be. And that's how he's going to, his agent's going to have to pitch it to him to, to teams to get him signed. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of worrisome going back to your point of, should we be worried? But uh, thank God for, you know, that we can fall back on Ed Davis. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sage, what, what and do you Zach think? Collins. Yeah. And Zach Collins. Well, I, you know, it, you always th- see the Marvin Williams contract year bump and you see other players have a bump in play when they're free agents. But what I see with Nurk is he gets emotional way easy and teams are starting to fo- realize that and throw him out of his game. Like if, if I was trying, if I was about to be a free agent, I'd be busting my ass. And I don't really see that with Nurk. Of course you could spin it with so many other ways, but from what I've seen, it's, it's not really impressive what I've seen Nurk do, but. I'm 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 realizing that he'll probably be a Blazer for the next few years because of how, you know, team friendly his contract could potentially be. It's just odd that he's not even playing big minutes. I mean, yeah, he plays 25 against the Kings, but against the Timberwolves, he logs 19 minutes, and against Oklahoma City, he logged 18 minutes. For someone who took the city by storm this time last year. Mm-hmm. To be playing less than half of a game, it's it's it's, it's mind mind boggling, and I'm not saying yeah. it's nothing nothing to do with Terry Stotts or his rotations. It has everything to do with his production because on yeah. one night he's going seven of nine, giving you seventeen and nine against the Kings, and then barely registered. He did not score, or excuse me, he did, and then other nights he just it's in spurts. Like, he'll start out the mm-hmm. game really strong. I, I believe he dunked a few times against OKC on, on the pick and roll. And then he just gets taken out of the game. Like, he has no back-to-the-basket game. Uh, his jumper really only goes in after he's had a couple of pick and roll uh, buckets. His free throws are uh, a roll of the dice, essentially. You don't know what, what it's going to come up. And I just think if Portland is really going to push for 50 wins, push for the third seed, push to get to the second round of the playoffs. They need more from this guy. I mean, it's amazing what we're getting from Ed, Shabazz, Zach, um, even Mo Harkless, uh, obviously Damon CJ, but this guy is still 
the X factor for the Trailblazers because of what he has the ability to do, not only on the defensive end, but when you have a guy who can finish at the rim and make teams pay for taking the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands, Portland is going to be able to steamroll them on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, we saw OKC, uh, Billy Donovan, his entire strategy was to get the ball out of Dame's hands. And it worked for Portland because Evan Turner went three or four from three. Uh, Zach Collins was not only hitting his three, but he was putting the ball on the ground and looking pretty smooth in, in those takes mm-hmm. to the basket. And it just seems like you never know what type of finish you're going to get from Nurk. Is he going to just randomly throw it up there? Uh, is he going to get it in with touch? Is he going to finish with force? You just never know. And I think for Portland to finish this season strong, he, we just need consistency. It, I think it's great that we're able to win despite his inconsistent performances. But, you know, I know everyone on Twitter is, you know, going crazy over us in the third seed right now. But if you really want to see that number next to Portland in mid-April, it's going to be because we got more from Nurk. And if we somehow manage to do so without him, then... His contract's either going to be very team friendly or he is going to be on another team uh, next fall. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help his case with the way that with Zach Collins is playing right now. Um, obviously, it, you know, is it a situation this offseason where Neil's like, hey, Ed Davis wants to be here. We know what we get from him. We know what we will get from him next year, whatever we pay him. And then if they're like, Zach, go lock yourself in a gym and put on 20 pounds and come back next year. Um, you know, is is that something that maybe Neil would, would weigh into taking into consideration when looking at re-signing Nurk or not? Um, yeah, I mean, I saw a list. I saw a list recently on one of the websites where it ranked like the top whatever free agents and Nurk wasn't even in the top 20. And I in centers, I think he was the fifth, like highest anticipated free agent center. So it could be a situation where, yeah, if, if either teams don't want him or they're not going to give him a, a contract offer and we can get him kind of low ball. Or if a team does take, take a risk on him, then maybe you just let him walk. Yeah. I mean, I obviously want him back because you'd never want to see an asset walk, but if somebody Alan crabs him, uh, I think you might have to say, you know, thank you for your services, but you know, that that's quite a few months away and hopefully my goal is Nurk plays so well that we are talking about him possibly getting 15 plus million. Like that, that's the dream. Like we want this guy to do well. I mean, he is our anchor. There's no, there's no, it's no secret that our defense has got better with, with him, a full season healthy, you know, knock on wood. You know, he's been very durable this season and guys have elevated their play on that end of the court. Damian Lillard, most notably as well. But we're really going to need a lot from from Nurkic. But moving on from from the big fella and looking at another big fella, we mentioned him earlier, Zach Collins. That was easily the best performance of his young career. Uh, I think he earned his his blazer stripes in a big time performance uh, in a essentially a playoff type of game. You know, every game now, once you get under twenty games in the regular season and you're fighting for home court advantage. Every game is essentially a playoff game, and, you know, the rookie came up huge. You know, we're looking 12 points, 5 of 6, 2 of 2 from downtown, 5 boards, an assist, and 2 blocks, and he looked like he belonged. He didn't back down from anybody. He shot the ball with confidence, and he just has he, – he can move. For a big man, He he's one of those bigs. Oh, yeah, he's, he's vi- just fluid. He's very fluid. Yeah. Yeah, and for me watching that game, one of the takeaways I had with Zach that I think could be interesting for the Blazers moving forward. Uh, I love Terry Stotts as a coach. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I hype him up every chance I get. But one one thing I'll be critical with him in our system is on how we are the worst fast break team in the NBA. It's frustrating mm-hmm. that we don't play with any type of pace. And I, I understand it's we have a team where we don't trust anyone but Dame, CJ, and Baz when when he's in. We don't trust any of them to bring the ball to court unless it's those three. Um, but with yesterday against the Thunder, one play I loved was Zach running the floor. I had flashbacks to when Lamarcus was here and he used to be that center that used to run the floor really well. And you could throw him the ball in you know as he's uh, entering the paint. And 
it'd be interesting to see if that's something a wrinkle that that Terry next year can like work in where okay yeah maybe we can run the ball more especially if we have a big like that who's willing to get down on the other side of the floor and can catch the ball in traffic also can we talk about how really impressive his defense is especially the verticality yeah the block on paul Mm -hmm. george was absolutely sensational it's tough for a young dude to know that those type of rules about verticality like roy hibbard learned it when he was like a second contract big to have a guy who's probably 20 or 19 know those rules and then use it effectively is really promising and I, I think he has to be in the gym all summer just because he he has the chance to be very good defensively in the post-up settings or pick and roll. Like That's rare to have a big that can do both. And if he bulks up and learns how to use his body to defend the post-up and then box out, man, he could be a damn good defender. And yeah, the, the thing that impressed me most about that block you guys are talking about, which was incredible, was the play before where he... It's late in the game, a very close game against a playoff contending team, and he made a terrible turnover. He he made a terrible entry pass, and instead of it affecting him, he stayed in the moment, raced down to the other side of the floor, was angry, but not angry where you make mistakes like a a rookie normally would, but he focused Mm -hmm. in and got that block, and I thought that that was really promising to see from someone so young to not be discouraged about a terrible turnover you just made and to go and make a play on the other end to make up for it. I, I love that. I, I think of that as a Wesley Matthews type of anger. That's a great comp. Because you see Wes make make a mistake, but he's not mad at anyone else but himself. So when when Zach focused up and made that stop, it's just like, all right, this dude has, has something special mentally about him. Is it premature to talk about Zach moving in the starting lineup as the four to play alongside Nurk? Or would you... This season? Yes, or would you keep him... Coming off the bench in tandem with Ed Davis in a role that he is comfortable with, and I think that's been his his role really for the past two or three months. Like they come in as a tandem, it's almost like they're the dynamic duo off the bench. The Bash Brothers off the bench. Um, is Terry willing to move Alfaruk to the three? Because if that's the case, maybe. But I kind of like him in his defined role of being the the third or fourth big off the bench, and he seems to be very comfortable in that role. I wouldn't want to mess it up with trying to put too much on his plate right now. He is only a young man, so he succeeded in he he succeeds in that role sometimes. And then let's just keep him in that. Hopefully, he'll get more consistent because there are ga- there's games this week where he didn't really make that much of a uh, a dent on the team like positively. It was more like. Yeah, hope hope Ed can you know cover for some of those mistakes offensively. Yeah, Zach said he was um, pissed. He Zach was pissed off at himself. I listened to the post game interview after OKC, and he was saying how mad he was after that Minnesota game because he had given up two offensive rebounds. You know, he was really a non factor. One of six shooting, uh, only two boards, two points against Minnesota. So he's still inconsistent. He's still what nineteen, twenty years old second second year removed from high school so this dude should be a a college sophomore so yes he played great against okc but don't forget that we're still talking about a project big who is still a couple years away from being consistent so if he struggles this week especially on the road don't freak out it's just like summer league you know big men don't perform in summer league so it just it's gonna come Hopefully we see him bounce back. That's what you want to see. But he's trending in the positive direction, which we like to see. But there are going to be setbacks along the way. It's inevitable. I I saw on Twitter people were like, did Neil O'Shea save his job with that Zach Collins performance? No. He still, I can point out some games where he's not a non-factor. So when he has those good moments, yeah, we think about Neil O'Shea as a good drafter or a good this or that, saving his job. But there's also games where he's inconsistent. Yeah, no, he has to develop, develop that consistency. Yeah, the guys who have saved Neil O'Shea's job for now are Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts. I mean, da- God da- damn da- right. Lillard's- well, add CJ. Yeah, for sure. But especially yeah, Damian, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Let's, let's keep that crystal clear. And, it is the letter O. 
And ironically, mm-hmm. the letter O is the one who went to Paul Allen, you know, before the stories about him going to Paul Allen, Paul Allen before the, the trade deadline to speak to Paul Allen about like, you know, stuff needs to change on this team. Trade deadline comes, nothing really changes. And then Dame's like, fuck it. I'm just going to step up to like an ungodly level and just go for it. And that's where we're at right now. Also, real quick, shout out to Evan Turner. 17 points, 6 of 10, 3 of 4 from downtown, and pretty damn good defense on Paul George. Um, I know I'm not the biggest Evan Turner fan and have loved when how well Maurice Harkless has played, so it puts E.T. you know in a reserve role, but we do not win that game without Evan Turner. He played fantastic, and I, I mm-hmm. don't expect that to be the the norm don't make it the don't make it the norm but it was a great one-off where he looked good hell yeah let's have that one-off be against okc rather than the new york fucking knicks right Mm -hmm. or the yeah or the lakers or whatever bad team we can think of so psa blazer fans please quit booing raymond felton it it doesn't work (laughs) he feeds off that shit and it's the second game in a row against portland that he has played really damn well off the bench knock it off it's been seven years removed it it ended up with us getting Damian Lillard because he was terrible like we should be thanking him and when dudes feed off the negativity I think you just give him silence that'll throw him off if you want to throw him off Mm. give him silence I know it'll never happen because the whole fucking arena was booing but I learned my lesson in November when we went to that game Sage I was booing him and then he's torching us and I was like gotta cut this out he he thrived. <laughs> Kill that noise. He thrives Kill on that it. noise. So Blazer fans, knock that shit off. I know you want to. I know he's like enemy number one, but let it go. Is he really enemy number one now yes. though? I have he he gets booed more than, than Kobe got booed, more than D Miles got booed, more than any of the dudes. For whatever reason, he just strikes a chord. I do. Yes, absolutely. And when he mentally can Lamarcus take it, though. Second. I mean, Felton, obviously, it's like almost folklore. It's like it's the meme of the Portland meme that we go back to every time we play him. Like there's a handful of stuff that like hits a note with Portland fans, especially on Twitter. And Raymond Felton's like, that's always one of them. And he probably always will be. I agree. It's tired. It's a tired take to like boo Felton. I don't. Yeah. But yeah, he. I mean, if he was playing terrible, yes, boo him. He was a terrible trailblazer. That's fine. But when a dude feeds off of that, you're hurting your team by booing. Like, it's, you gotta kind of reverse it back there and think what the objective is here. It's to win games for the trailblazers. Your booing's not helping. So, it's an easy switch to make. But, a question for you, Ev. I know you're a pretty big Russell Westbrook fan. I knew he took a lot of shots, but when I came home and saw he took 31 shots, I kind of threw up in my mouth a bit. Like, how can you, as a fan <laughs> of the Thunder, be okay with that? Um, I mean, I'm sure he was licking his chops when he saw that Melo wasn't going to play because Melo, he's probably like, all right, he probably went to the team as like everyone. The shots that Melo normally takes, I get all of them. And like, I will be taking <laughs> all of them. But um, he's not a good shooter. No, he's not. I mean, that, that's just what you get with him. It is it is interesting when you look percentage-wise. Like, Paul George went 8 for 19, which isn't great, but not as bad as 12 for 31. And since the All-Star break and, the you know, the past month, we've seen Paul George, like, really start to play well for this OKC team. So, yeah, if I were a Thunder fan, I would definitely be like, hey, can we get Paul George more involved? Especially if you want to try to keep him after this season. Um, you would think that they would definitely be trying to getting him, try to get him more involved. But, um yeah, I mean, I'm the biggest, one of the biggest Russell Westbrook fans, but it's hard to defend a 12 for 31 performance in a losing effort. And it's mind-boggling to me because his teammates were helping him out. Patrick Patterson was 5 of 8. Yeah, Patrick. Uh, Steven Adams was 4 of 9. We had problems when Nurk went out and they were trying to lob it to Adams. They had a couple of easy seals where they dumped it over the top and he got layups. Uh, Jeremy Grant was a problem down the stretch in the fourth quarter. He went 6 of 9. Felton, as I talked about, Four of eight. I mean, these are almost all over 50% shootings. And you got this one guy going 12 of 31. For comparison, Damon CJ combined to shoot, I think, 38 times. And those guys put it up for their position. And what I come back to is Dame did not have it going. 
He was 5 of 18, but he wasn't forcing the action, trying to put the team on his back when it clearly wasn't his night. This is why I will always prefer a guy like Damian Lillard over Russell Westbrook. I was, you know, kind of talking about this with Olga because she was like, I would hate to have that dude on my team. And I was like, yes, he is an amazing talent. Easily the MVP of last year. Averaging a triple-double is no joke. Hadn't been done since the Big O did it in the 70s. But I think the act is kind of wearing old. They have too much talent to be behind the Trailblazers, to be behind the Pelicans in the playoffs. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason for this team to be so mediocre. So you mentioned the mediocrity of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I got a question for both of you. If if you were to play handicapper, who are the eight teams making the playoffs and who are the two that that uh are going to be sit chilling on the couch this this summer? Clippers miss the playoffs? My guess. Yeah, I yeah, I think Utah, especially the way, I mean, the, the All-Star break was the worst thing to happen to Utah, right? They rode that 11-game winning streak, they, they get that All-Star break, and now they don't, it, it just, it's fucked with them. They're, I mean, they have one, yeah, they have the last two. It, it's so interesting, because in, if you look at the last 10 for all the teams fighting in the West right now, everyone, aside from Minnesota, is four in, four and six in their last 10, which is understandable. They lost one of their best players, arguably their best player. Mm. And then San Antonio's two and eight, which is, insane playing terrible basketball right now but everyone else yeah the lakers just beat them. Yeah, i know well and the, well the lakers have won seven of their last 10 games like that's kind of crazy um but yeah all those other teams are playing well and looking at the blazers schedule we've got some tough games like well we've got that stretch of games coming up where it's like uh god houston boston new orleans and someone else which is just like a brutal run of four games. I, it's Memphis, I think. Well, yeah. Well, then we have another stretch where it's like Memphis, or Memphis, someone else bad Memphis. But yeah, so I haven't looked at everyone's remaining schedule. But if I have, yeah, if I were to guess the two teams out, Utah and probably, I mean, yeah, probably the Clippers. It's just so hard, man. Like one of these teams could go on a three-game lose. We could lose three of four and go from mm-hmm. the three seed to the eight mm-hmm. seed, like no problem. I I, I, just come back I think to it's it. gonna be the Jazz. Oh. No, go. I was just I, I was just gonna say like if you were to tell the Thunder that on March fourth the Pelicans would have lost Boogie Cousins, Jimmy Butler's out probably for the year, Kawhi Leonard only played nine games, uh, Rudy Gobert has missed a chunk of time, Paul Millsap missed three months. You would say they're fighting for the top two seeds with with Houston and Golden State, not looking like a potential lottery team yeah they could eventually end up third but it's going to be i mean third through eight is really going to be decided by one or two games so that's all i was saying is like preseason everyone had them so high because you're coming off of an mvp year with russ you add mellow you add another all-star in paul george and they've just been inconsistent all year i mean they beat the warriors twice but then they'll lose to teams like charlotte at home but uh what were you going to say sage I, I think it's going to be the Jazz that is chilling at home and then Denver Nuggets. They have an away heavy rest of the year and they are god awful at uh, away from uh the friendly confines of Denver. So I I'm going I'm going uh yeah, the the Jazz and Denver will be chilling at home and the Clippers will get that 8th seed. Ev, back to Russ real quick. Do you oh think he is I was, cause I've just been thinking about this, you know, leading up to the podcast. Do you think he is a point guard that will lead a championship team like an Isaiah Thomas, um, like a Magic Johnson? Like, do you think he'll be able to lead a team to a championship or is he kind of like a souped up Iverson where he is amazing when it's just, you know, chip on your shoulder, putting the team on his back, but just that type of player is so tough to win around. Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like he had his best shot when he was playing with Kevin Durant. They obviously made the finals in 2000. Was it 12 they made the finals? Yes. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, I think he had his best shot at doing that already. And like, as a defender of Russ, well, first off, when, when I say I like watching Russ, I mean, when I say I love Russ, it's because I like watching him play because he's so chaotic. And like, you just don't see a lot of that in the NBA. Like, he's such a unique player. Um, 
it's not necessarily that I would ever want him on my team. I just like watching his brand of basketball. I think it's fun. Yeah, the chaos. Yeah, I think it's a lot. Yeah, the mayhem. I just think it's a ton of fun. But is going back to your question, um, it's got to be the right situation. Like, he had a good chance with Kevin Durant. I know people argue the hot takes are like, oh, look at Oladipo leaving. He's so much better in Indiana, which is true. And like stars can't play with Russell Westbrook, but people forget that Kevin Durant was a three-time scoring champ while he played in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, Russ can I think he can play with stars. It's going to be interesting. I think he he's going to be in OKC for a little while. He just inked that extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really hurts him right now. I, if if the Thunder were playing better and were like you were mentioning a top one, two, three seed. I believe that uh, Paul George would maybe consider staying there, but he, they're not doing themselves any favors by hanging around the 7-8 seed. I think the, the further mm-hmm. we get in the season where they're fighting for a, a playoff spot, Paul George in the back of his mind's like, yeah, I'm, fuck it, I'm going to go to the Lakers this offseason. Um, and, and if that happens, that'll be a huge blow to OKC because, you know, if they could compete for the top three, they could stay there and then maybe... In a few years, Golden State's probably going to have one of those guys is probably going to have to leave just because of luxury tax reason. And then Houston, they're playing great now, but you've got two dudes in CP3 and James Harden who don't really perform in the playoffs like they should. So I think he's squandering an opportunity right now for sure. Yeah, because if you're Paul George, you're like the Lakers are starting to click. They're only six games really behind the Thunder. You add Paul George to the Lakers, maybe another free agent. They're better than they're. They would perform better than what the Thunder are doing this year. Plus, you get to live in your home state rather than Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which is has to be a huge bonus and has to play a part in in, in the back of his mind. So, OKC's fucking up right now. Like they could mm-hmm. essentially end up being a treadmill team with just you know Russ going bananas every night, and they're stuck with Melo. And Russ and a bunch of wings who can't fucking play. Or shoot. <laughs> or shoot. But I do like Russ's passion. I appreciate his loyalty as, as, a, as a big time Dame fan. That's one of my, my favorite attributes about him is his loyalty. So I appreciate that. But I would just want to see more trust out of his teammates if I was, you know, an OKC fan. Because um, thankfully, like like you mentioned, Sage, I think on the preview for last week, Russ tries to do it himself against the Blazers. For whatever reason, he just gets into that mindset and tries to outduel our guards, and it's worked in mm-hmm. our favor. Uh, we got a grip of questions from the Trailcasters, Blazer247. Uh, he wants to know, will we have an eight-game win streak when we face the Warriors on Friday? So that means Lakers on Monday, back-to-back with the oh. Knicks in town on Tuesday. I don't see a. I think it would be a huge mistake if we lost either of those games. They're both pretty damn winnable. So I, I think we might have. I think we'll have an eight game win streak. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Lakers, like I mentioned, they've won seven of their last ten. They're playing pretty well right now. Lonzo's back and he played really well last night. Um, the Knicks should not want to win. They're traveling to Portland uh, with Porzingis now out for the season. They have no incentive to win with the Lakers, with the Lakers. Like you'd mentioned, if you want to attract a player like Paul George, it helps to play well, especially late in the season. So if we were to lose one of those two, I feel like it would be the Lakers. We could slip up on them. It's an NBA TV game, late game um, in Los Angeles. But, uh, you know, I think if, if we won seven or last eight, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. But Dame gets busy in L.A. He does. And, he does. And uh, it, it, Brandon Ingram's injured. Uh, we need it. Well, I mean, we uh, need it. Josh Hart's hurt. Uh, I think Channing Fry's also injured. Like, the the person that scares me the most would be Brandon Ingram just because of how tall and lanky he is. And if he decides this is the game he wants to be an alpha, he could do some damage. But since he's out, I don't know. No one really scares me like Brandon Ingram. I feel like I might need to turn in my. I guess coos. I feel like I might need to turn in my Blazer fandom card because I don't see us winning in LA. Um, Ooh. We've beat them what fourteen or fifteen straight times. I know we say that every time after we beat them. They've got to know about that. I know Ingram's out, but Isaiah Thomas is back. And if Blazer fans remember Isaiah Thomas on the Celtics, 
he always gave us fits and he's starting to look like the old IT um like you said you factor in a guy like Julius Randle who was he is balling out he's putting up in numbers. a contract yeah, he's year. Putting up numbers. Uh Alfred Camino is going to have a huge um test on his hands. This, this could be a fun Zach Collins game to see how he handles a guy like, you know, Kuzma or um Julius Randle. Uh, Brooke Lopez is back. He had a big game, the the first game in Portland, where it took a Damian Lillard buzzer beater. Um, we could win, you know, if Mo Harkless returns to the starting lineup, which you know, thankfully that I think he had a patellar strain. Uh, that might be the X factor for Portland because I think it was Christmas, no, the twenty third. We played the Lakers, and Mo Harkless had a huge game uh, for yep. us. So if he plays well, like I don't think we're gonna get blown out. I think it's going to go down to the wire, but I just I've oh, I've had a funny feeling for a while about this game, especially with the Lakers uh, playing so well. They they have incentive to win. They do not own their pick this year. Uh, like Evan said, they want to attract Paul George. They theoretically still have a chance at the playoffs, and you know Lonzo starting to come into his own. Uh, Dame does get busy, and I know they are focused, but. It's just one of those gross feelings, and you know I'm hoping that it goes away and we come out victorious. But I think the Lakers beat us in a close game. I think we come back, handle business against the Knicks, uh, because they just lost to the Kings tonight, and the Kings haven't been beating anyone. Uh, Porzingis is out. They. I know you feel dirty about that. What you just said. I, I bro. feel gross. I I, I, f- I feel bad. I feel bad for you saying all I that stuff. I feel gross, bro. but I hope the Blazers, you know, prove me wrong because. You know, we were looking at the standings, a, a two, uh, you know, losing two out of three. You're probably looking at ninth. I mean, you're, you're just out. And like, like I, I said earlier, we are getting no help from any other team um, outside of the Spurs losing. But that was because Kawhi is out and LaMarcus is out. So um, it, it's going to be tough. But if they do beat the Lakers, I see them easily beating the Knicks. And so they would have that, that eight game win streak against the Warriors on Friday. Um, another question from Keith wants to know, what are the top five Blazer coaches in order? Evan, I'm going to serve this one up to you first. Top five coaches. Um, Terry Stotts, his first year. First two should be Terry easy. Stotts, his oh. first year. Terry Stotts, his second year. Terry Stotts, his third year. I I don't know. Um, well, I, one's obviously Jack Ramsey. I think we can all. Do, well, Dr. Sure. Jack and then Adelman. Yeah, right? Dr. I'm Jack, the most Rick Adelman. The most significant to this franchise, obviously, I wasn't alive to watch Dr. Jack coach. So, like, he's obviously ranked up there for my appreciation that he's brought a championship to Portland. Um, but, like, I look at a question like that, like, just who do I – when I for me with the NBA, it's what do I enjoy watching? Um, oh, then you need to watch some YouTube clips of the 77 team because they – Yeah, dog, that, that – Dude, People talk do about Terry favor, Stotts' watch flow it. offense. It has nothing on the offense that Dr. Jack ran. I mean, this was a – mine? Yep. Jack's won. Adelman, a very close second. I mean, that three-year stretch from 90 to 92 is the most successful stretch in franchise history. Uh, number three, easy, Mike Dunleavy, able to get to the conference finals in back-to-back years with not only managing a 12 to – sometimes even a 13-man rotation – crazy locker room environments um he was still able to get us the closest we've been to a championship since rick adelman four i'll go terry stotts um longevity we've been in the playoffs consistency or consistently gotten to the second round twice um five i will go with nate mcmillan because even through all of those the, the rise with us years all of the adversity with brandon roy's injury greg odin's injury um just everything we were still putting up 50 wins and we were very competitive in the playoffs just were never able to get over that hump and you know unfortunately uh it really took a mutiny by jamal crawford raven felton marcus canby uh all those guys to get him out gerald wallace um i think the team was ready for a change but no nate did a great job like we were the laughing stock of the league when he took over in 0506 and you know, Brandon Roy gets a lot of that credit, but, you know, I think Nate and Monty Williams and that staff really cultivated uh, a sense of culture in, in in the front office. And it trickled down to the players. And I think that's where we saw that, you know, that Rip City, you know, revival. So I definitely got to give Nate his due there. Can I, can I, uh, all right, I'm going Jack. I'm going uh, Adelman. 
I'm going Steve Kerr because he what he is a coach now. He's not a Blazers um, coach, Sage. <laughs> he played on the no, Blazers. That he count. Played on no, the Blazers. that doesn't count. <laughs> well, then that ruins about the last three of mine. Oh, you're gonna but you're I, gonna say Caleb Canals, aren't you? No, I was gonna say uh, I was gonna Canales, say uh, Lionel Lionel Hollins, and then oh, he I was gonna throw Lenny Wilkins in because he's a bad motherfucker. Uh, God, you're Caleb ga- can- gaming the Caleb- system. Caleb Canales is a cool dude, though. <laughs> well, I learned it from you. Evan. I know. I know. I do that stuff. <laughs> no, I, Caleb, yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. I remember after Nate was fired and he was an interim coach, where, like, there were some rumblings that were like, is, are they going to name him the full head coach? And I'm like, that would be so ridiculous if they did that. Luckily, and again, good guy. From all, all accounts, he's a great guy, but, like, he wasn't ready to be head coach, and it's he still obviously isn't. A head, where is he in Dallas now? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As an assistant coach, which is good, and maybe one day he will be head coach. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that we didn't. You have a nice Nate McMillan story, Dustin. What? Don't you have a nice Nate McMillan story? Because didn't you work for the team when he was yeah. there? After Nate got fired, he came in the next day to the office. We were all in in the spine in, in the main you know meeting area of 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 the you know the space in it was basically right next to the arena um, in Will Call. That's where all the Blazers are headquartered. And he came in, you know, he gave a speech, um, and then he went around and like shook everyone's hand, looked us in the eye, and it was just you know really professional, um, really genuine. And even though at the time I was ready for a new coach, it was like you understood how great of a guy. Um, and how much character and dignity that like he really had. Um, and so I, I appreciated that. And the same thing with Caleb Canales, like the dude started as an intern essentially and made his way to a head coach for doesn't matter how many games he was a head coach. And like he would stop mm. by our interactive department and would just say hi. Like it was super cool just to see him stop by, you know, Jerome Kersey would do the same thing. Um, you know, it was all family. So it was really cool to see those guys succeed. And I'm really happy that Nate got another opportunity to coach in Indiana. Uh, that team's crushing all expectations this year. And yeah, you know, Caleb's, well. Caleb's really learning under one of the top three coaches right now in Rick Carlisle. Yep. So I don't think it'll be long before we see him move up in, in the ranks, but last and that's from the best social media manager the Portland Trailblazers have ever had. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, there's a lot of pu- uh, there's a lot of pussyfooting around with who the best is, and that question will be answered cuz I just said it <laughs> and it's Dustin Haas. I you know, I tried to fit in that cannabis quote, but uh, I don't know if it worked, but yeah, Dustin Haas is the best by far social media manager for the Blazers. Love you, bud. Fight me about it. All right, uh, last question from Keith. I think this one's jumping the gun just a bit, but he wants to know, all of the playoff talk has been focused on the first round, but I want to look ahead. Who would the Blazers rather face this year for the Western Conference Finals, the Rockets or the Warriors? Well, (laughs) shout out to him for being so positive. I, I was on a podcast with him today on the Trailcasters podcast, and... He, you know, his optimism is pretty, pretty, uh, intoxicating. I would, I would pick the Houston Rockets because it's a Dunleavy, uh, wow, not a Dunleavy system, a D'Antoni system. And I think they are more of a regular season team than a playoff team. And James Harden and Chris Paul usually falter in the second round. Yeah, it just, I don't think there really is an answer because to get to the Western Conference Finals, you have to beat one of those other two teams. If right now we're the third Mm -hmm. seed, we would have to beat the Warriors in the second round. Um, If we drop down to four or five, we'd have to beat the Rockets in the second round. So, I mean, I guess it just comes down to which team would you rather play in the second round then? Because that's when you see them first. Um, Then my guess is the Rockets only because of all of the reasons you said, Sage. One, and most importantly, they are not the Golden State Warriors. (laughs) <laughs> Two, James Harden does have a tendency to flop in the postseason. He doesn't get those whistles that he does in the regular season. Three, Chris Paul has never made it past the second round of the playoffs. That's weighing on his mind. And four, they don't have four all-stars. So I think that's pretty. So the 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 the, the coach question was based on a question on the trailcasters that we uh, – it was me and Keith in the last part of the show – and someone asked the question, who are the top five fa- uh, best dunkers in Blazers history? Oh, that's a good question. And 
I confidently said Drexler yes. and Jerome, yes. and I faltered pretty hard on three through five. So, since you are the historian of historians, Dustin, who are the top five dunkers in Blazers history? Well, you got those top two. I think if we're in no order, I, I can't. It's too late to break it down in order. But the the remaining three, um, Rashid Wallace. I mean, if you've seen some, have you seen some of the alley oops that he has? He had catches no. He catches a great lob. He ca- he used to catch a great lob. I will give you that. No. Also, I love when big men can dunk, and he threw down some nasty ass jams. Rashid is three. Uh, James Hollywood Robinson. Uh, back in the who the fuck is James Hollywood Robinson? Sage. Study up on your shit first. <laughs> uh, he was the he was the first trailblazer in the Dunton contest since Drexler and Kersey. Like he broke up that Drexler and Kersey were in it basically all throughout the eighties, and then we went like four or five years, and he made it in like ninety four, ninety five. But the dude could dunk. And then I would probably was he a good basketball player? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I would probably say I'm my bias is going to say Travis Outlaw. But I, I was going to say Travis Allen. I would also accept Billy Ray Bates. I got an honorable mention. Billy Ray was in the '80s, yeah. right, or the early '70s? Yeah, okay. I got an honorable. Yeah, he was. He was like he was the star after Bill Walton and uh, that crew yes. left. It was Billy Ray Bates, and they did the ISO more l- l- less team oriented basketball, and Billy did the ISO. Game. Yes, I, I have an honorable. See, mention. I do know my history. I have an honorable mention. Bitch, <laughs> uh, is it is it Will Barton? Close. Close. A uh, little, Damian little Lillard? bit more obscure. No, uh, Elliot Williams. Elliot, I was going to say Elliot. Yep, Elliot also would make my honorable mention. If he had yeah. played longer, he would have made it. He had he had a stretch of games, three or four before before he hurt his knee again, where he was just doing windmills. Uh, it was nasty stuff. Uh, yeah, I like he that was. Guy. He was the dude that you would like show up a little bit early to watch like pregame and and hope he would do something like really sick, like. If Twitter was more prominent, and it obviously it existed back when he played with us, but like he's a dude that like you would see, he would be posting like crazy Twitter type dunks when he would do like the fan stuff, the fan fest type stuff. He he had some crazy hops. Is Dame on that list? No, love Dame, but no. Even though his one dunk contest dunk was really underrated, he got screwed over because the format that year they fucked with the format, mm-hmm. so they were all like flowing doing all of them doing dunks at the same time but that that one dunk where he alley-ooped it between his leg like facing the basket that was an impressive dunk oh yeah the dunk contest was fantastic my if i you know i'm being very critical right now of a player who does really doesn't deserve much criticism i would say that dame just has the one dunk where he comes down and tries to cock it back with his right hand and my only fault with it is it feels like it gets blocked more than it goes in oh yeah for sure Dame, so, I, I don't know the stats on this, but I bet you Dame gets his layup or dunk attempts blocked more than anyone else in the NBA, or close to. I bet you he's top five, but which I, is I fine. Love, I don't I, mind it because he's aggressive. No. He takes the ball yeah. to the basket. And he could get fouled. I. This is how desperate I was for dunkers that I knew played on the Blazers. I said, I think Isaiah Ryder was on that team for a season. I don't know if he was fat yet, but oh, he, was. he was there. He was more chubby. He was a post-up. He was a he was, mess. He was he was a thick. It wasn't boy. the East Bay thick boy back then. No, no, oh, okay. no, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I I know a lot from you know 2012 to 2017. My my history on random dunkers is quite limited. So, Rudy Fernandez, shout out to you, well, that, Rudy Fernandez, for some reason was in the dunk. Oh, yeah. con- but I don't. Why was he in the dunk contest? Like he's, a fan vote. Oh, was that what it was? I will say... At- Did Dustin Hawes get the Twitter army up in arms for, for I don't him? Think, I don't think Twitter was popping back in 2009. Oh, yeah. And I will say, uh, Jason Quick, I, I, I think it was Quick, said that he saw Rudy Fernandez out of practice, practice a dunk that I don't think anyone in the NBA could do currently, where it was that soccer move where you like flip the ball up over your shoulder... And he could do it where he could alley-oop it to himself and do it. Steve Nash alley-ooped it for Amari Stoudemire a couple times in a dunk oh, contest the rainbow. like that. The rainbow. But, like, Quick said that he saw Rudy Fernandez do it, like, alley-oop it to himself. Which, like, it's it's one of those things where it's not, like, a crazy act of athleticism. But it is one of those things, like, do you think anyone in the NBA right now can do that dunk? Like, I don't maybe, know. I feel like, I maybe feel like Dirk? 
I feel like soccer is getting more prevalent and dudes, you know, pay attention and probably practice their moves more than we're led to believe. I, I'm sure there's a couple dudes out there, especially kids growing up, um, that could start doing it. I would have loved if he would have done that in the dunk contest. Just get everyone's reaction because obviously we haven't seen it. it. It would be a dunk that we've never seen. We're in a, Nowadays with dunk contests, we're getting to the point where we're kind of seeing everything. So we've already kind of gave our predictions for the Lakers and Knicks. The the big game on the horizon. They're all big, but this is, you know, the creme de la creme. The Golden State Warriors, Friday, March 9th. Can Portland beat them? Can Portland take the season series from the defending champs? Yeah, I mean, I think they... Oh, you were asking us a question. I, I think oh. they can. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to believe it, considering we just beat them a couple weeks ago. Um it, it's going to have to be a night again like that where Dame's got to go off. Dame and CJ can't, both of them have to have good nights. One of them can't take a night off or not have a good game. Uh, it's going to have to be another perfect storm of events, but it's possible. Sure. But do you think they'll win? What's your prediction? Um, I, would, I would say 75% chance of losing, 25% chance of winning. That is a very reasonable uh, yeah i mean like they go set a percentage from tuesday to friday so they're gonna have a few days off which is nice so yeah i don't know i would say i would say that but if if i just say something different i'd say like 20 percent we win so i think there's actually a 50 percent chance we win this game i think it's a god damn i think it's a legit toss-up um so we might say dame and cj won't combine for 73 points but I don't think Kevin Durant's going to get 50 again. But then Steph won't be ice cold, though, if we want to. Another wrinkle. Because he was pretty. Here's another wrinkle. The Golden State Warriors play the night before a, a TNT game. So it's a late game against San Antonio. Who knows how good that game's going to be. They'll they route play, them. They will route them. But they play the night before a, a, and a late game. So they're going to have to fly from Golden State late and then play Portland the next day. So that's just a wrinkle. And we're going to have two days off two full days off before that game so that's something to think about that's true but this is also a warriors team that their stars get ample amounts of rest because their games are mm. clearly in hand well after the the second half has begun i mean you know mm-hmm. mid third quarter they know the game's wrapped up but yes the mm. travel i mean anytime you have to travel and then play the next day that's going to take some form of a toll but it's just so tough looking at, you know, those four all-stars. You know, I would say if Portland wins, Clay Thompson has to be quiet. Clay is usually the blazer killer. Um, you have mm, to the consistency. You have to look at a guy like Andre Iguodala, who played nearly 30 minutes last game and didn't register a single point. Um, didn't do anything else uh, in the box score. Uh, Nick Yo- that Dante Cunningham Nick line. Young was 0 for 3. So you've got to really keep their bench guys quiet because you already know their big four is going to put up big numbers. Um, so Portland's going to win. The bench has to outperform them. I'll say this. If Portland beats the Lakers and the Knicks, they are going to beat the Warriors. If they Whoa. lose to the Lakers, beat the Knicks, they will lose to the Warriors. So it's either going to be a 3-0 and week or a 1-2 and week. Maybe at nine, 9 straight. That'd be crazy. That'd be awesome. I want it, obviously. Yeah, looking back at that Warrior the last time, I mean, Steph and Clay combined six for 32, or excuse me, uh, 12 for 32. That's not going to happen again. I mean, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but let's say that is the ninth, ninth straight victory. You got next week against the Heat. That's a dub. The way the Cavaliers are playing, you got to think that's another that's another victory. Uh, Could Detroit, be, yeah. Detroit, you got to beat the Pistons. We've we owe beat, them one, and we owe them we, one. We owe them one. We can handle the Clippers without Blake and Chris Paul. So you're looking possibly at a 13 game win streak which would just be amazing with the rockets and celtics coming into portland so this has the potential to be a march to remember or it could be a march you want to forget what i love is portland has the ability to control their own destiny um i talked to you about it ev on thursday i think it takes 50 wins to get this team into that third seed and portland would have to go um, 13 and six the rest of the way. It's a tough schedule, but I think the bigger the opponent, the better the Trailblazers play. And I think we will find out a lot about this team tomorrow night in Los Angeles. 
they cannot have another performance like they did against the Suns where it took a miraculous comeback. Dame putting 40 on the board and the Suns completely collapsing. Uh, the Lakers are... So how many games does it take for us to get to 50? We have to go 13 and 6. Sorry. Yeah. Do you think 9 or 10 gets us to the playoffs? 9 or 10 more? Yeah, 10 wins? Yeah, we'd be at 47 wins. Yeah, 47 will get you there. And 12 or 12 to 14 is home court? Yeah, I would say so. God, it's because, just been so... I mean, that, 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 that's a thin margin of error that's right why there, you man. you cannot lose to the Lakers. I, no, I, you gotta I, win I want games. to be wrong, but I think of all the games this week, that's the key. You you can be okay losing to the Warriors. That's a game you're probably going to be um, the underdog going into. It's mm-hmm. the games against sub-500 teams. It's the games you're supposed to win. That's the teams that are going to move up in the standings. You're okay losing to, you know, down the line, maybe OKC on the road or Houston on the road in April. Like, you're supposed to lose those games. If you win them, that's like you're playing with house money. But you have yeah. to take care of games like Miami, Detroit, you know, the Knicks. And we, have the Mem- we have Memphis twice and Dallas still on the on our schedule. And those are two teams that are like, desperately trying to tank to get a top pick so that those yeah we can't afford to no, those are three games you have to win yeah i mean this the stretch that i'm looking at that's killer is you you'd mentioned it dustin it's at home against houston at home against boston at okc at new orleans like that's a brutal four game stretch with the way the pelicans are playing and yeah but i really wouldn't have it any other way like this is the way you want to go into the playoffs mm-hmm. by er- by earning your way and i think it also shows Portland that every game matters. If you just would have handled your shit to begin the season, we would be far and away the third seed. Yeah, we've had some brutal moments. Mm. That Blake Griffin game-winning three when he was with the Clippers was brutal. Uh, I, that one's... The Kings lost. I mean, CJ had that 15-foot midi over Dylan Brooks in November off the front rim. That would have beat the Grizzlies. I mean... We blew games against the Jazz earlier, up six with three to go. Same thing with Milwaukee. I mean, we had oh, a twenty point New Orleans without AD. We had a twenty point lead against uh, the Houston Rockets at home. Lost that one. I mean, we just the, the Al list. Horford, the Al Horford game winner. We, we the had Al a Horford sixteen game point winner. lead. Brad Beal drops fifty Losing. in Portland without John Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raptors demolish us without Ibaka and Valanciunas. I mean, the AD list. The AD, uh, Anthony loss. Davis doesn't play and New Orleans is still able to to defeat us. I mean, it just these are tough games. And it had Portland just mm. took handled biz. biz. That's why the Spurs, year after year, 50 plus wins, you can lock them into home court advantage. They don't fuck up. Hopefully Portland's now realizing mm-hmm. you know the time is now. And they've really they've really shown that. They have really walked the walk. And I think they're playing with a great swagger. So I think it's either going to be a one and two week or three and a week. And it's, you know, that's the beauty of the NBA is like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. All right, guys, my computer is running at about 5% battery life. So I think we need to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, you can find this podcast. Holy backboard on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Dash Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, we're also on social, at Holy Backboard, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. Ev, let our fans know, once and for all, where they can find your work at. Yeah, so you can catch me on Twitter at EvanMPDX. Instagram is the same. Um, so you can catch me, a lot of the art stuff I post is on Instagram, and then everything else i just spew shit on twitter you can check me out and then my website evanm.com has got uh some poster prints up there and some other art for everyone to go check out so please do i still need my sheet print oh sorry oh oh yeah oh god i've seen you like twice since yeah okay yeah we'll make that happen sage well sage i still have your fucking anthony davis painting anthony dave i i yeah all right do you you want to go let them know how I still have this this dude's Air Force Ones in the back of my trunk. Sage, oh, wow. <laughs> you need to get your ass up to Portland, bud. Yeah. Indeed. But I, I think we need to let people know how dope of an artist you are. I mean, you are an award-winning artist, bro. Like, let them know how 
what your process is. Oh, yeah. So for my art, lately I've been doing a lot of commission pieces. So basically I'm a stencil spray paint artist. So um, a lot of pop art slash, uh, I mean, all pop art, but that focuses on either celebrity or athletes. Um, right now I'm working on a really cool commission piece that I can't speak about too much because it's a gift for someone who very well could be listening to this podcast. So I can't get too much into it. It, it will be releasing soon, but, um, but yeah, you know, I've worked with the trailblazers, uh, Pabst, all that type of stuff. So yeah, again, go to my website, check it out. EvanM.com, uh, hit me up. I, I'm always doing commission pieces. Um, done some really fun stuff. So if you have any ideas and you want to make some art, let me know. Dash Radio, he is a absolute stud with the pop art. And I, I have to I have to tell a story about the 2K Corner. Um, every Tuesday I play with Stu Pendus, one of the OG listeners of the show. Um, you know, I love I love teaching the game of basketball to people that aren't familiar with it, and a lot of his fans are not familiar with the game. And I try not to get frustrated with ineptness. But uh last week we played a game, and a teammate of mine, I'm not going to say his name, allowed 68 points in a 20-minute game, and uh, Cherboy had a tough time staying unsalty, and I got a new nickname, it's called Salty Sage, <laughs> and the only time I'm a Salty Sage is when someone lets someone score 30 times on back cuts in a five-on-five game so shout out to stupendous 2k tuesdays every tuesday www.mixer.com slash stupendous you get to hear me talk my shit about 2k anyway uh go blazers real quick, real quick, and uh rip city oh how much are you fearing a potential blazers pelicans first round playoff matchup fucking so much <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be the most hated person in the world like Again, I'm going to be the biggest asshole in the world if that shit happens. I, that is my biggest fear in regards to the playoff seeding. I don't care if, you know, Blazers get... Like, I, Pelicans Blazers series is the thing that scares me the most. And selfishly or not, that, that is the thing that scares me the absolute most. Well, on that note, let's go Blazers. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!